You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of Worshipology. I am so excited that you would spend uh, 30 to 45 minutes just uh, getting to know Jesus a little better, getting to know how to worship him uh, from a deeper place in your heart. And today, um, man, speaking of heart, I am uh, joined by one of the most incredible people I think I've gotten to meet over the last five years, uh, Crystal Yates. Say what's up, Crystal. <laughs> what's up? So glad to be here. Oh, man. Now, now we met... I think it was 2016 at a uh, the Emerging Sound camp that was going on in Texas, right? Yes. I mean, that's been, it feels many moons ago, but yes. <laughs> so I met you and your husband, Will. And of course, that's where I, I met so many incredible people through that. Um, but now you're, you're coming from, are you guys in Texas now? Yes, we are in a little um, city community called Anna, Texas. It's just north of Dallas. And we are leading worship at a church in McKinney called Christ Fellowship. Oh, nice. Yeah, let's let's just go right in. I mean, okay. for those who, um, I mean, I know you as an artist, a songwriter, a worship leader. Um, maybe give us a little bit of a snapshot of your story. Like, how'd you first get involved in um, not just worship and songwriting, but just in music in general? Was it like you grew up in church or how did that work? Yes. So for me, I did not grow up. Um, churched. I am an unchurched. When people say, oh, what's what's your background? Is it, you mm-hmm. know, Pentecostal? Is it Baptist? I say, no, it's heathen. So <laughs> I was totally <laughs> raised not in church. And um, I had great parents. They're, they're amazing people. We just didn't go to church. And so mm-hmm. I would be the kid that um, the church van would come around and pick up when I would be like vacation Bible school or when I would visit my granny during the summers in South Florida. I grew up in the panhandle of Florida and I would visit her. No way. Yeah. I grew up in lower. I grew, I grew up in Panama City Beach. Stop it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Niceville, which is not about an hour from. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a small That's world wild. after all. Well, that's why the, uh, I feel like I can totally um, connect with you and make conversation <laughs> with you. We're from that same part it's of the, the world. Panhandle connection. Yep, yep. the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, so that's I grew awesome. up. Then you probably grew up. You know, um, so much different kinds of musical styles there, from gospel to mm-hmm. twangy, old school country to, you know, whatever was on the radio to, we were next to New Orleans. So I had a love for jazz and, um, loved Mm. singers like Whitney Houston, but I loved writers like Hank Williams and Merle Haggard. (laughs) And I would hear gospel music, um, from my granny. She would, you know, take me to church. And my, one of my first memories is visiting her when I was about five years old, um, of church. My first memory of church that I can ever remember was being at church with her, um, during a summer when I was staying with her for a couple weeks. And I will never forget that night. I, I sat on the front row cause she was a front row, um, woman, an intercessor, mm-hmm. prayer warrior, just salt of the earth, faithful woman of God. Um, mm. and she was always there early. She had her star mints in her purse, you know, and <laughs> tissues, all the things. And she sat up on the front row and we, 
experienced this husband and wife leading worship when I was five. And I mean, tears just began to flow. God began touching my heart during this uh, worship experience. It's the first time I've ever really sensed or felt his love and his presence. Mm. And I just began crying and I knew with all my heart for, I mean, without a doubt, my, my desires to be a, a princess and a teacher changed to wanting to be a worship leader in that moment. And, wow. and I knew I was going to be that woman married to the man who was playing piano with her and singing with her. And, you know, here I am all these years later, um, gosh, over 30 something years later, just now living that life out and wow. heard God calling me before I was even saved, um, into ministry. Um, and so I sat there just kind of tears flowing and my, my cousin looked at me and she said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. She goes, oh, that's Jesus. <laughs> And I said, mm. what does Jesus want? She goes, he wants <laughs> to be the Lord of your life. He wants to forgive you, show you his mercy, um, save you, change your life. Um, my granny had already prepared her <laughs> for ministry. And so we wow. knelt under a little chair and I, um, I prayed and I asked Jesus into my heart. And it was a charismatic Pentecostal church. And then we just started worshiping and wailing after yeah. that. Mm. And God marked me in that moment. Um, I went back home. I did not, um, you know, stay in church because we just didn't go as a family. So I kind of veered off for a while. And when I say veer off, maybe like hard left turn almost off of a cliff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and fast forward um, when I go through school. I just found out like just a few years ago that I'm dyslexic. I had no idea my whole entire life, oh, wow. but it makes so much sense. School just never clicked for me. I was known as mm. the life of the party because I was overcompensating for feeling not good enough um, academically. And so I always was entertaining everybody while they were doing their work mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, kind of just took on that role of uh, kind of performing for others in a way where it would make me feel better about myself. But somehow mm. in all of that, I, I got very lost. Um, I had kind of endured some abuse and family members that were addicted. And it was, it really, really took me down a road where I made some very bad choices and started living a kind of party life of the party lifestyle and mm. honestly lost myself and didn't know even who I was or what I wanted anymore. And when I got 18 years old, um, I, I thought there was nothing for me and there was no point in my life. And I really needed mm. to just, you know, not live anymore. And I started thinking about what would that look like? How would I do that? I was only 18 and, um, just remembering being marked, from that moment by the Lord, I, I looked in the mirror and remembered that moment when I was five and mm -hmm. I thought I'm too far from that. There's, you know, I'm not the type that God would use. I wasn't raised in church. I don't, um, you know, I don't know the lang language. I don't know how all that works. I don't know if I could live that lifestyle. I'm too messy. And mm. in a vulnerable moment, looking in that, that mirror, I thought, and who am I even? I, Wow. I don't even know who I am or what I do. I have a purpose. And mm. I remember just hitting my knees and 
Um, you know, I guess it would be called a prayer. I just cried out to God and I was like, God, if you're real, I, I need to know, but I don't want to know if you can't love me. And, mm. um, in that hour that I prayed that prayer, um, I honestly just did not move from the floor. And, you know, this is back in the days of landlines and my phone rang <laughs> and it was a phone oh, wow. I could see light up, even though I yeah. had turned off the ringer and I saw it lighting up and, I picked up that phone and I never even said hello. And on the other end was this sweet voice that called out my name and said, Crystal, is that you? And I said, mm. yes. And she said, I know I haven't seen you in years. And she was this sweet um, pastor's wife of a church I'd visited like four or five summers ago. I mean, it'd been a long time since I visited wow. this woman. Um, and she said, I was praying today and I just had the overwhelming feeling to invite you to some revival services we're doing tonight. But first mm. you need to know that God loves you and he has a plan for your wow. life. And I thought, <laughs> how do you know? But it was this woman that listened fiercely to the Lord very intentionally wow. and prayed over people and interceded. And the Lord dropped, you know, my name in her heart of that, of all days that day mm. and that time and so it's shaped everything that I do. And I've never looked back since that day. I went to that revival service that night and just cried the whole entire time that worship was going on. I don't know that they ever even got to the preaching. And um, the speaker came up and he told about the gospel. And I really understood it and needed it so badly and so desperately. Mm. Uh, I walked down the center of this aisle in front of, this, in front of all these people in this little church and I just fell and I felt like chains were falling off of me as I came forward. And all these ladies just surrounded me, began praying over me and just praying things that only God could have known about my life um, wow. and speaking over me. And my life was changed. I mean, I really mm. have not thought God can't since that day. I've never thought he doesn't have a plan for me and he can't love me. Now, my life isn't perfect. And I face hard times and I walk through hard times. Um, mm. And sometimes I'm like, God, where am I? Where are you? <laughs> but yeah. I've never doubted that he loves me and that he can use me. You know, what's powerful about just hearing your story is that, you know, your story. Like, I think so many of us, if you were to ask, like, you know, maybe the average churchgoer or Christian like, hey, what's your testimony? It might take us a minute to kind of figure out how God really changed our life. But as you tell your story, it just kind of flows so effortlessly. And I think part of what makes you a powerful songwriter or a powerful worship leader is knowing your story, knowing your testimony, and being able to come out of that place of knowing where you were, knowing where you are, and then knowing where God's calling you next. Mm. And I mean, some of the songs that you've written, is it's so obvious like testimony is a common thread in your life and your writing. I mean, you wrote uh, just a couple songs I know of. Uh, I got saved and um, I think you were, you were on what mercy did for me, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and th those two songs, I mean, obviously like, you know, what mercy did for me, powerful song, Micah Tyler carried it. Well, I got saved. I mean, I don't know who all has covered that one, but I mean, these are two songs that are like so laser focused in on like, Hey, this is who I was. This is who I am in Christ. And I think, you know, one of the things that I love talking with worship leaders about is 
this idea of testimony because I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Revelation twelve eleven, we overcome yes. by the blood of the Lamb. That's what Jesus did for us, and then the word of our testimony. That's what we can yeah. continue to tell uh, to put the enemy in his place. And I mean, <laughs> just talk to me a little bit about that. Like, you know, how do you, I guess, honor your story, and how do you, how do you write out of testimony? Like for the songwriters that are listening, um, because you. Now, this is cool about your journey is that you've got not just obviously like worship songs and leading worship as part of who you are, but also you have a heart for country music. And you just told Mm -hmm. us like, you know, that goes all the way back to your childhood. Um, How do you maybe this is a twofold question. Like, how do you balance Mm -hmm. um, the artist integrity within you of like, yes, I love country. Yes, I'm a worship leader. Um, And then the writing side of that, too. So there's like the art and and, you know performing that, um, but also writing for both of those worlds. What does that look like? What's that journey been like? Yeah, I think it mostly comes from with me. I mean, I have such a deep love for music, but I also have a deep love um, of storytelling and specifically Mm. for testimony. um, I have a deep love like it's in me to tell my story. It's in me to charge others to be telling their story um, because of that scripture that says, you know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Mm -hmm. It was one of the very first scriptures I read after I got saved. Um, Mm. And it became an imperative, almost like operative for me as a believer, as a writer, Um, not just, I think whatever God does and um, however he transforms us, it is our, I think our responsibility to, impart and um, give that part of our heart to others around us um, and making them understand and charging them and reminding them. I mean, think about it when you go around others that um, have a heart for, you know, the church and writing for the church and you begin to hear Mm -hmm. their heart, it inspires and encourage you and wakes something up in you. So I think that does, that happens in me. I am, I am really aware that our, our story is very powerful for overcoming the enemy and it overcame, it was life and death for me. And so I think Mm. naturally the storyteller in me, um, and the communicator in me, um, wants others to know. I always say if I couldn't sing, um, then I would try to find a way to tell somebody um, about the love of God. If I couldn't speak, then I would try to write it out. If I couldn't write, I'd try to sign it, you know, deep (laughs) down in me, I'm a communicator. And I know that about myself. I desire to communicate with others. And so naturally that deep love of music and being raised in a house that continually sang and played music along with desiring to communicate, um, naturally just bubbles up from inside of me. And my hope mm. is, is that I would inspire others to communicate, even if you're shy. It doesn't say, you know, we overcome, you know, by the blood of the lamb, the words of our testimony, if we're bold enough to it's no, that's how right. we do it. And so mm-hmm. I do, I love encouraging others. I love communicating. And so when I go out in bars, like in wine bars and, um, public places to sing. Mm-hmm. It is natural for me to also know that God exists in my love life. He exists in the life of my friends when they're walking through divorce. Um, 
He exists mm. as I raise my kids. He exists, you know, he's there. He's with me yeah. in those moments. And so I write songs about those moments as well. So it's natural for me to open up and tell people these stories about life and love and anything I've lived through. I'm going to probably write about it as I process it. And that's how I process things as well as music has been super healing for me. It's been a big part of my journey um, as a kid relating to music and music speaking where words failed. And so um, Mm. I just, it's natural for me because my heart is that people would know that Jesus loves them and he has a plan for them. Just like he, he said to me that day. Wow. You know, what's cool is, is you're kind of reminding me of this time that I had, I mean, from 2005 to 2009 ish, I was in a a rock band and we were playing mostly bars and clubs, but you know, all of our songs were very driven. We, We weren't a Christian band, quote unquote, but we were, you know, all of our songs were written out of you could tell like we we were walking with Jesus out of this hopeful, mm-hmm. inspirational kind of like, you know, we really just wanted to inspire hope in people because I mean, and this is like, you know, 15 years ago, I can't imagine even now where it seems like, you know, there's this kind of overall feeling in the world of like hopelessness. And if there ever was a time for testimony for true people that have like, man, I've walked the walk. I, I, I can talk the talk. Let me sing the song. And it's like, you know, you have this moment where it's like your, your story becomes such a connecting point for that person who is far off, whether it's, you know, in the club or the bar or in, in the church service, you know, Mm -hmm. as a, as an artist that walks in both of those worlds. I mean, look at Jesus. I mean, it's not like Jesus was hanging out in the synagogue all day, every day. No, he was out among the people. And that's where you find these amazing stories with the woman at the well, you find these amazing healings that take place in towns all across the ancient landscape. And I think that's such an important thing. Um, Crystal, before we hit record, we were just kind of catching up, um, you know, because it's been a few years since we've seen each other. Yeah. And you said you you said this line to me. uh, You're just kind of talking about how, you know, obviously like life moves in seasons, but you're talking about this difference between theory and experience. And I just wanted to lean into that because it was so it just jumped out at me. And, you know, as we're just talking, I feel like today is going to be one of those podcasts that just encourages people uh, with their story and where they're at. But talk about that. What does that difference look like between theory and experience? And when does it cross that threshold of like, man, God is so present right here, right now? Yes. I So first of all, I'm kind of a science nerd. I love science <laughs> um, and I just love especially studying the stars and I love reading about experiments and Mm -hmm. I will never forget when I was, I was in the hospital last year battling a really, really bad double pneumonia infection Mm. due to the virus. (laughs) And yeah, and it was scary. I did not know, um, if I would live and, um, they said I would only be there a couple days and then they were like, oh, well, gosh, we have to increase your oxygen needs are going up. And my I was my oxygen levels internally were desaturating. And I mean, it was really scary. Um, mm. I was very afraid. And I honestly had not even talked to God a whole lot in those first 10 mm-hmm. days because I was so scared of what he might say. And not only knowing if I wouldn't 
live, but gosh, if I live, will I ever be able to sing again after this level of, of infection? Um, and so I just remember hearing the Lord, um, when I finally stopped and I asked him that question, I heard him say, well, why don't you sing right now? And Mm. I thought, well, Lord, I've been talk trying to talk to people on the phone. I can't even roll over without alarms going off. I don't want to be put on a ventilator. <laughs> I was like, Lord, if I start singing, you know what's going to happen. And he said, sing, sing, worship me. Wow. And, and so I began worshiping him. And every morning, about four o'clock in the morning, my alarms would go off because my heart rate would fall really low. It was a rhythm Mm. my body experienced. It was so strange. And I was so tired because it was very hard to sleep. They're always coming in. And I was in between like regular hospital and ICU. It was like a level right in between. And so you got checked on a lot more. Um, and so it was really scary for me, but I did, I obeyed his voice in that moment and mm. my alarms didn't go off and I looked over. Um, and as I looked over, my oxygen levels were rising and I thought, okay, wow. I've always said in theory, worship is a weapon, but now I know mm-hmm. it experientially. So I love the scientific method <laughs> where it talks about <laughs> theories and then you do the experiment. And it was like, God was like, see, you used to know this in theory and now you know for real that wow. e- even at a deeper level, even at a, um, a moment between life and death that I'm still with you. That And it also made me think of the scripture that, he says in this world, you'll have trouble, but I've come to give you peace. And I experienced his peace in that moment. And, mm. and it wasn't just the theory anymore. It was, it was experientially knowing him. So we were kind of talking about that, how I've got a friend that I'm talking with right now that um, is preparing for a new season. And I said, you're going to learn God in a new way, a new dimension, and it won't be a theoretical, it'll be an experiential. And so we can believe these things um, about God, about his word, but until we experience him with it and it becomes real, then that's when we own it. You know, we wow. really own it. I mean, we can say it in faith, which is important. It's an important part of our walk. Faith is powerful. It is the mm. only way we can access the kingdom is by faith. And that's the only way we can be saved is by faith. So faith is powerful. But then whenever those theories are tested and you experience it, you own it in a new way and you can look wow. back and you can say, no, I know that through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with me yeah. and he is leading me and he's comfort me because I've been in it and I walked through it with him. So wow. yeah, it's just this a is powerful probably, thought. This is probably like the fourth or fifth time this week, Crystal, that I've actually had this type of conversation that we're talking about experience because, mm-hmm. you know, we just, we live in a world that I don't, I can't remember ever feeling this cynical and skeptical towards anything mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and when you talk to people who they're following after the Lord, they've, I was just having a conversation with somebody who's been walking with the Lord longer than I've been alive. And, and I'm just talking to this elderly man and just the way that he talks about his relationship with God. You're just like, there is nothing on the planet that could convince this guy that God isn't real. And, and then, you know, when, when people ask me about my story and I kind of share 
a lot of the, like the vulnerability and like the things that I've gone through, but even like from childhood and, you know, my mom had me at 16 years old and, you know, growing up and, um, you know, things weren't always easy. And, and I think when you talk about your experience, it's like, look, you can take everything away from me. You can't take away experience. Like I know that God is real. I know that Jesus saves because this is what happened in my life. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think it was beautiful. It's like, I mean, you know, following your story and you're, you're, you're super, uh, you invite people into that story, you know, whether it's through social media or, um, your songs. I mean, just, you're not afraid to tell the hard parts. And I think that's what mm-hmm. makes you a special writer. That's what makes you a special artist and worship leader. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit more about that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. writing songs, let's, let's kind of lean towards like the, the worship songs that you've written. Um, how do you write something that's both personal, but also transcends just your story and can connect with any story out there? Mm-hmm. Well, if I think one, one thing is, is a key thing that you kind of said to me and the word that I attached to it is just being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I, I think that word, you know, we toss it around a lot, but do we truly understand the difference, you know, between sharing and being open, but being vulnerable, being vulnerable is letting, you know, your shield down where somebody can actually wound you and hurt you with, with with how you're opening yourself up to them. And so telling someone, so being vulnerable, I believe it's like letting that shield down and opening yourself up in a way that somebody could use what you're sharing to hurt you or to strike at you. It is literally letting every guard come down and being vulnerable to another person. And Mm. that's hard. And that is one thing. um, I mean, I know there's, we kind of talked about some things we're going to talk about a little bit, but that is another thing that I just feel like in this season that I am praying over the church to be more vulnerable before the world, not just, Mm. and before each other. Um, And that is the one thing as I mentor young people that I keep hearing over and over again is, um, you know, I feel like no, I, I feel like I don't really know, like nobody really knows me and I don't Mm. know that I really know them. I don't know that I can trust, you know, and it takes trust and vulnerability to build trust and vulnerability. So it takes, somebody's got to do it. Somebody has got to let their guard down. (laughs) Somebody's going to have to step up and say, you know, obviously Jesus has prepared the way for us to be vulnerable. I mean, Mm -hmm. There was no one more vulnerable than Jesus. I mean, he laid wow. himself out completely, arms open wide is how he died. Um, mm. And it just, it begs our attention and it has my eye. Like I, I look, I, I visualize him up there in the vulnerability of going to that cross and, mm. you know, being stripped bare and dying on it. And I just it begs my attention and I can't quit looking at it. And I thought if he does it, then we have to do it. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's, you know, the church has this calling to be the light of the world, but we have to ask ourselves, what does that mean? Well, when we look at Jesus, that's what it means. He is the light, you know, he is the light of the world. Now we're called to reflect that and, and be like him. And so it is going to take us letting down our guard and talking about our dirt and our grime and all the things underneath so that people can see the power of the gospel. 
in our lives. And wow. that gospel is how we overcome, but we can't, we can't say it without the vulnerable part. And also we need to be more responsible with other people's vulnerability and, and not hurt them when they let their guard down and not talk about mm -hmm. it with others and be trustworthy, be a person of integrity. It is, it, it's going to take this beautiful letting our guard down and being a safe place for others to let their guard down. And I know that we've talked, we talk about it as a, you know, as the body of Christ, but now we have to actually start doing it more. And I even think to <laughs> yeah. the world, we, the world needs to see, um, a resurrected Christ in our life. They need wow. to see that he died for my dirty, stinking sin. I'm not perfect, mm. but here I am living a resurrected life that's full of hope and life. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I've got it all together and that I don't worry about the same things. I mean, I think they say statistically divorce rates are the same in the church as they are out of it, which right. is sobering and convicting, mm. you know? Um, you know, it's, so, you know, it's wild is, is, is when you're talking about vulnerability and, and I love that picture of like putting your shield down and you're literally unguarded. The thing that I always hear from people is like, well, I just don't want to get hurt. Yeah. But you know, you know, as you talk about Jesus being the ultimate picture of vulnerability, like, well, what if Jesus said, I just don't want to get hurt. Like, okay. <laughs> um, we, we probably wouldn't have the cross. We probably wouldn't have had those disciples right. picked you know, where That's his right. best friends betrayed him in the most right. epic moment of his life. You know, like, I just think that we have to get rid of this. Like, I, I just remember talking to a pastor a couple of years ago, Crystal, and he said, I would always rather err on the side of grace and mm -hmm. I get hurt than have mm -hmm. no grace and no one knows me. Mm. Um, and, and, and that was just such a poignant thought of like, how Jesus lived, but then also, I mean, even in the context of like leading worship to, you know, cause sometimes let's be honest, like, you know, you're leading worship and whether you're at a church, you know, 52 weeks a year, or if you're traveling or, you know, you do kind of what you do, like a little bit of mm -hmm. both. Um, you know, there's moments where people can just see you on a stage and like, Oh, Crystal's got her life together. She's leading worship. <laughs> she's, you know, and, and you know, the same for anybody that's in a position of leadership It's like, they got everything together. But I think it's in those moments where you just say, Hey man, this has been a hard week for me. And as we sing this next song, mm -hmm. I want you to know that this is my prayer just as much as it mm -hmm. can be your prayer. Mm -hmm. And wow. I, I, I'm just like processing as I'm, even asking this next question, but like, what, what is God speaking to you, um, in this season right here, right now, kind of coming out of, um, you know, that story where you had, you know, double pneumonia and you you just kind of have mm -hmm. this new, newfound, like love for worship. Like what is, what is he speaking to you right now? Even in, in, in the context of like worship and the church. I mean, you just kind of mentioned that vulnerability piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that is, so there's personally things God's doing in me and then prayers that he's putting on me in, in an intercessor type way for the corporate wow. body. Um, and then yeah. the lost, honestly, um, one, I do, I pray that the church will be more vulnerable. I pray that she will rise and shine because that is how she shines is seeing what mm. God's done in her and seeing what God's done in her heart. And then beginning to reach out and finding ways to step out of the walls of the church 
um, in finding those marketplaces. Like I just did an event this morning for this group called Marketplace Chaplains. It was amazing. It was an amazing morning wow. with all these people who go into businesses and um, they go and pray with people. They're there during sickness or death. And I thought, what a beautiful ministry and a way to get out of the the, the building and go actually be the church. And so that's that's one of my corporate prayers right now. But also, too, I do pray for revival. That word's important to me because I experienced it. And mm. revival to me, I think, looks so different than a big worship service. Like, I, I just see it looking different. I see, um, I don't know, I guess I'm very visionary. I'm, I'm led mm-hmm, by vision. Mm-hmm. And I see something um i see an experience coming to the church that we haven't had yet and i'm praying Come into on. that and i'm interceding into that i mean it 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 breaks my heart in a good way mm. um that we we don't realize truly the power of yes faith opens the door for us to experience god and mm. living a life where we don't experience him and step out in faith and be vulnerable. Even faith calls us to be vulnerable. Cause it's like, are you going to let me down? You know, wow. I mean, really faith, if we, I, I just wrote a song called seed of faith. And one of the lines in it that I took into a co-write was in a field of doubt, plant the seed of faith and God sends Ooh. the rain wow. because if we don't have doubt present, faith is not needed. When we see God, we will no longer need we will no longer need faith. It will be sight. Our faith will be sight. So we have this beautiful moment here as human beings to experience God through faith. And then those theories become tested. And we have those experiences with him. And we can talk about his faithfulness and say, hey, I might have went through this, but God was with me. And the same God, I'm not the exception, I'm the rule. The same Mm. God is with you. He might be with you in a different way, but he will be with you nonetheless. And I remember even saying to God in that moment that I was in the hospital, I said, if I don't get out of here, I know you're with me. And I know you walked me all the way home. And you have been, you will have been faithful even then. And wow. so it was seeing and sensing his presence and experiencing with him. I mean, of course it was, it was provoked by my faith. You know, I believed these things, but didn't feel the belief, mm-hmm. but they opened the door to the experience with God that I don't know had I never would have ever had. And so there's that. And then for me personally, I just hear, it's almost like, the thing that he did in my heart all those years ago is still there, but it's more. It's like, tell the story more, share the gospel more, pray more, worship more, give all that you've got. Let's, let's go. (laughs) You know, it's, it's almost like the passion, um, just keeps igniting. And even in the seasons where I don't feel like it, there's this fire shut up in my bones to keep saying, and I'm living, I mean, this makes me almost cry. I'm living off of something that he did in me over 25 years ago. You know, Mm. I'm living off of one word and it's still more than enough because Jesus died for my sins. And then he resurrected and gave me such a hope that Mm. that is, it's more than enough to keep me going. Here we are 25 years later. Um, 
And so it's just the, the fervency, the more, the deeper love and, you know, pouring more oil out. There's something that God's been speaking to me that's new. And I'm kind of like, okay, Lord, what does that look like practically? Mm. Like loving my neighbor as myself. Well, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, I'm not there yet, but I'll just kind of share what it, as I was talking to the Lord about it, I was driving in the car several weeks ago and I said, what does that look like? And I just kind of heard the Lord say, well, you, you love to go out to eat. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, (laughs) do you care that if your neighbor goes out to eat, why don't you send your neighbor out to eat, you know, or why don't Mm. you send somebody like care for them? Like you'd care for yourself. And I was like, whoa, that is, I was like, like, it seems so like, duh. And so practical, but do we care, um, about our neighbor in a way that is very sacrificial that we would not only put aside something for ourselves and time for ourselves, but time for the people around us. I mean, our neighbor is everyone. We, you know, it's, it's everyone and anyone who we come in contact with. And, um, I, I read something, I think, I think it was Natalie, my friend raised to stay is that she said, um, many of us ask for the nations, but we don't even know the name of our neighbor. And I was like, Ooh, ow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so what is loving? God's just been talking to me. That's just one aspect of worshiping God. And he's been talking to me about Mm. what does it look like to love my neighbor? I love going on vacation. What if God go ask me to send somebody on vacation as I send myself? (laughs) I know what you pray for. No, what you pray for. These are the kind of things I'm hearing from, from the Lord. Um, specifically in that area and him teaching me what it looks Mm. like to love my neighbor. And it's, it is sacrificial. It's, it's worship (laughs) to love your neighbor. And, um, well, and and honestly, you know, you're, I think, I think revival and loving your neighbor aren't two separate events. I mean, I think what if there was a revival of loving your neighbor? And I think that's when the world sees, okay, wow, like this church thing is for real. Jesus is for real. I need to try this thing out. Yes. And um, man, I'm, I'm so encouraged right now. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, when I'm talking to other worship leaders, I'm hearing the same thing. So I think God is doing something yeah. in his church right now yeah. in this line of loving your neighbor, in this line of revival and experience yes. and living out vulnerability. Man, this has been so good. Um, Crystal, I mean, you know, you shared Seed of Faith. That's out everywhere. We're going to put that in the show notes. Um, where can people find you and what are you up to right now? Um, they can go to Crystal Yates Music, any platform. I'm on Crystal Yates Music on all the platforms. And um, they can go to my website and find and connect with me um, on there. Just um, honestly, I would love to meet you. I'd love to know if you're a worship leader. I think... I have such a heart for other worship writers because it's such a hard calling because we don't all get to be famous <laughs> and right, see, right. you know, and we're down in the trenches and we're writing songs mm. and we're doing things. And, and I've had a couple that, you know, are that I've been, that have went out, but there's so many songs that I've written that have not went out. And mm-hmm. so I just love encouraging people who follow Jesus to go out and to, to live this life for him first. Because if you start trying to see a byproduct of, of your work and you start trying to see it 
you might get disappointed, you know? (laughs) And so I want to encourage you, keep living that life. I want to know that you're there. Definitely come connect with me and um, be encouraged, you know, to, to just listen for God every day. Practice that wherever you're at. If you're in the store, it's so humbling to walk up to somebody that God leads you to in a store and ask them if you could pray for them or tell them, Hey, I hope you know that God loves it. That's humbling. And so Mm. practice listening wherever you're at and pausing every day as often as you can. And, um, and that carries over into our platform worship as well. And don't get Mm. discouraged. God is using you. I promise it might not be in the way that it looks like. So he's using somebody else, but he's using you and your sphere his way. And you, we just submit ourselves to that and we worship him first and we lay, lay it all on that altar and we worship Jesus with all of our heart first. And then we see what he wants to Mm. do. He does. Crystal, man, I feel like I went to church today, (laughs) (laughs) man. You're always such an encourager. I appreciate you uh, joining us for worshipology. Y'all we're going to have, uh, how you can contact Crystal and, and just keep up with her story in our show notes. Crystal, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Curtis. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.